Hey everyone, welcome to Hub City Church. We are ordinary people following an extraordinary God together. If you want more information about Hub City Church, find us online at thehubcitychurch.com connect and fill out our digital connect card. Now let's dive into this week's message. And then we're going to do scripture today. It's Acts 2, 42 through 7. You can follow along in your Bibles or it'll be up on the screens. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings and to fellowship and the sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miracles, miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. Each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Great job on that. And uh, that is our text for this series, looking at these various rhythms. And you see in the early church in Acts chapter 2, a collection of new patterns, new rhythms that they developed uh, as the church was forming. They had uh, experienced life with Jesus. They had been filled with the Holy Spirit. They experienced uh, a new reshaping of their daily practices. And as we're looking at that text throughout the summer, what we see is all these different rhythms that can be introduced into our own lives, habits that we can form, routines that we can take in. And it's about taking this summer to rediscover or discover for the first time a Jesus that can change your life a Jesus that is real, to have a real encounter with the living God through various methods and ways and rhythms that we can develop. Because my heart in this is that we would become healthy Christians. Not just physically healthy, but spiritually healthy. And that is the whole point of this series and why we're doing this and uh, what it means to be a a Jesus follower. And so that's our our text for this this season. Uh, And we're just taking one thing at a time. And today, We're going to talk uh, about food to start. How many of you are excited to eat some food after service, right? We're going to have Super Sunday is full of super calories, and we're going to consume. And as we're talking about rhythms, let's just start right here. Let's talk about some food rhythms for a moment. Can we talk about some food rhythms? Yes? Okay, this has nothing to do with your spirit. This is all about your gut. So, food rhythms. Name foods that you would only eat in certain settings. When you think of a certain setting and there's a certain food that you would eat. Like when you go to the movies, what is the one thing you have to eat? Popcorn. I cannot watch a movie and not eat popcorn, right? It feels wrong. It feels incomplete. I'm in a food rhythm of eating popcorn, right? And I can't just eat popcorn. I've got to drink a soda, right? And now it's a Coke Zero, I'm saving those calories. But I've got to have something bubbly next to me in my, in my salty popcorn. And then I got to cut that salt with what? I got to have my candy, right? My Mike and Ike's or my Sour Patch Kids or my something, 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 right? Or three bags that I snuck into the movie theater and my kids are wondering, why do we break that rule, Dad, but other rules we don't break? (laughs) That one's not in the Ten Commandments. We were okay. We can break that one. Thou shalt sneak candy in. What about when you go to a baseball game? What is the food you have to eat when you're at a baseball game? Peanut, hot dogs. Okay, for some, a food rhythm is a hot dog. Peanuts. I, I have to eat peanuts. It's the only place you can eat peanuts is a baseball game. Try eating peanuts anywhere else. It feels weird. 
go to a movie theater and eat peanuts. It just feels wrong, right? And eating popcorn at a baseball game feels weird, right? What is the one time of year you eat ham? Church? Okay. Christmas, Easter, church holidays, I guess, right? Those are the rhythms that we're in. I never see ham any other time of year but Easter and Christmas, right? How about a s'more? You got to eat it around a campfire, right? You got to have a s'more when you're sitting around the campfire. I don't even like s'mores, but I'll eat them. Uh, It's just, I'll own it, right? Can I confess my sin to you? I don't like s'mores. I like them deconstructed, actually. I like the marshmallows, the chocolate, and the graham crackers. Food rhythms. How about this? How often do you eat throughout the day? Oh, now we're going to get really honest. Right? It depends. Sometimes we're eating in the morning. Sometimes we're eating in the afternoon. Sometimes it's just in the evening because we worked all day and forgot to eat. How many of you need afternoon coffee to get that push? Right? I need a little boost. I need a little caffeine. How about a late night snack? You're in a rhythm like, I sit down with my Netflix, I've got to eat something. How many of you can watch TV and not eat? Let the record show, only a few hands went up. It is a rhythm. When my kids go to bed and we turn on HBO and it's like mommy and daddy time watching our shows with violence, (laughs) I got to eat a snack. I got to have something sweet or something salty or a little bit of both. Food rhythms, we're in them, right? Maybe how often you eat throughout the day. Maybe you eat like a hobbit. I thought this was funny. To eat like a hobbit, right? Hobbit food rhythms. You have breakfast, then you have second breakfast. I had to read this. Elevensies, anybody live by elevensies? Luncheon, afternoon tea, dinner, and then supper, right? Yes, right. Yes, Bobby's like, hallelujah, that is biblical too. It was written by Tolkien. He loved Jesus, right? Yes, so must be true. Food rhythms are a real part. And why are we talking about food rhythms for a moment? We're not talking about communion today. We're not talking about being in small groups and how they broke bread together and had fellowship together. That's a valuable rhythm we're going to talk about this summer. We're actually going to talk about focusing on the first phrase in that Acts 2 passage. Acts 2.42 says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Acts 2.42, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And I know you're sitting there thinking, what does that have to do with food, Sean? You're teaching right now, and I'm still hungry. The apostles were teaching. I'm still hungry. Well, the early church created this rhythm of studying and questioning and learning and examining and devouring the teachings of the the disciples, the apostles. What were they teaching about? What were they teaching about? They were teaching about Jesus. We had seen Jesus, so we want to tell you about him. We had lived with Jesus, so we want to tell you about him. We've encountered Jesus, and we want to tell you about his ministry and his teaching and the things he did and the things he said and the way he told us to live. We want to pass those things on. That was the teaching of the disciples. When Paul wrote the early uh, letters to the church, what is he teaching on? He's teaching about Jesus. What else are they teaching on? They're teaching about the scriptures, but they didn't have what we would refer to as the New Testament, so all their scripture reading was the Old Testament, what we would refer to as the Old Testament. They didn't call it the Old Testament. I guess it was just Testament, right? That's a Bible joke, but we're hungry. But what were they teaching about? They were teaching about Jesus and the scriptures, and yet in both of those we see reference to them being described or proverbially referred to as food. 
In John 6, 35, Jesus said, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Jesus is the bread of life. Jesus is our sustenance. His life, his teaching, his ministry, he is the thing that sustains us, right? Deuteronomy 8.3, this was the way God's word was described. People do not live on bread alone. Rather, we live by every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. These are the things that would sustain us. This is the food. The early church was consuming the teachings of the apostles, and what were they teaching on? Jesus and the scriptures, the two things, the bread of life and the very thing that would sustain us more than bread uh, that fills our stomach. It's the word of the, what does it say? Every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. This is a rhythm of the church 2,000 years ago, and I believe it's a rhythm for us today. To be devoted to the apostles' teaching, to be devoted to the word of God, to the teachings of Jesus. And as we look at the church today, and as we look at our lives today, I'm not here to point fingers, but rather to allow us to take an honest assessment of ourselves. How many of us are spiritually starving this morning? If we're talking about consuming the word of God, consuming scripture, consuming the teachings of Jesus, how many of us are spiritually starving because we're not consuming the word of God? We ignore it, we put it on the back burner, we save it for later, we, mm, I'll do that tomorrow. We forget, we get bored. We start in Leviticus and we get super bored and we're like, I, nope, nope, not gonna do that. And we end up starving ourselves. How many of us have given ourselves 20 minutes a day to read our Bible in the morning, and we're like, okay, I'm going to have my quiet time with Jesus. I'm going to read this, okay, Lamentations 3, and we read that, da, 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 da. I journal about it for a moment, and then I put it down, and then by lunch, you forgot what you read. By dinner, you definitely forgot what you read. And we've created a rhythm where we're spiritually starving ourselves because we aren't consuming the bread of life. We aren't consuming the very words of God. How many of us are spiritually starving. How many of us are, here's another one, how many of us are spiritually malnourished, where we are eating the proverbial junk food rather than the word of God? We're feeding on social media, on news, on blogs, on books, on podcasts, and other things that we are consuming, 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 and we are feeding our minds and our hearts and our souls with things that taste really good, but they are proverbial junk food for us. And we become spiritually malnourished. We feel full, right? I ate a whole box of Lucky Charms. I'm gonna feel full. Well, I'm gonna get a sugar rush later and feel a little malnourished. You feel full because of what you've been consuming, but you you feel like you got the spiritual shakes. Not in the weird Pentecostal way, but like in the I'm aching for something substantial and Facebook isn't doing it. How many of us are spiritually spoon-fed? The only time you get in this book is when I talk about it. Anybody spoon-fed? The only time you're gonna get into this book is when you're in life group and the group leader talks about it. When your spouse opens up their Bible, okay, I guess I'll open up my Bible. When your parent says it's time for family devotions, okay. Now I'll do it. We become spiritually spoon-fed to the point where we aren't taking ownership for our own spiritual sustenance and reading and consuming and eating and devouring 
the word of God on our own. We're dependent upon somebody else. How many of you have heard in church, well, I don't like that pastor's teachings because it's not feeding me. And to that, I've heard pastors say, it's your job to feed yourself. I'm here to lead us, to care for us, to shepherd us. But you got to feed. Don't be spiritually spoon-fed. How many of us are spiritually stale? 20 years ago, you read a Bible verse, and you're like, that's my life verse. I love that. Proverbs 3, 5, do not lean on your own understanding, but trust in the Lord, and blah, 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 blah. You know, you got your life verse. How many of you got a life verse from 20 years ago, and it's stamped somewhere in your house? And that's beautiful, and that's wonderful. We should, we should have those things. But it's been 20 years since you've had a fresh encounter with the living God. It's been 10 years since you've opened this thing up and the words bounced off the page and said, that's for me today. It's been a year since you even opened this book and saw something new. You keep going back to, I remember this sermon. I remember this Bible study. I remember this devotional. I remember this life verse. And I would say we're spiritually stale because we're living off the leftovers of the past. It's the living word of God. It's meant to be something that we're consuming daily and regularly, and there's something new for us. How many of us are hungry for fresh bread today, not something stale? Again, not here to point fingers, here to just be honest with, this is where some of us can find ourselves. And I would say this morning, as we talk about the rhythm of, of being with the scriptures, it's time to eat. If this is the bread of life, is this, if this sustains more than bread uh, that I could put in my stomach, then, hey, church, it's time to eat, isn't it? I don't care if we're spiritually stale or malnourished or spoon-fed or starving. Today is time to eat. It's time to reshape these rhythms that we've created. It's time to change the rhythms that we have with the Scripture. And the two things I want to focus on as we talk about creating this rhythm with the Scripture is this. One, eat good. And secondly, eat often. Okay? So if you're going to walk away today, I want you to remember those two things, right? Eat good and eat often, right? And we're going to go do that afterwards in the, in the <laughs> backyard with, with this, uh, with potato salad and hot dogs and all of that. But you know what? Tomorrow morning when you wake up, I want you to eat good and eat often in this. Tomorrow afternoon during your lunch break, would you eat good and eat often? Tomorrow night when you're laying in bed and your mind is spinning about everything you've got to get done, I want you to eat good and eat often. Eat good and eat often, because this is good stuff right here. So let's start with that. Eat good. It's good eats. The word of God is good. The church devoted themselves to it because it was good, not just because it was dynamic and, wow, that's interesting and relevant, but it was life-changing. It was helpful, right? Look at the way Paul describes the church, or excuse me, describes the scriptures to the early church. 2 Timothy 3, verse 16 and 17. He says this, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. God's word is good. These are good eats. When you open your scripture, when you open your Bible app, when you open your Bible this week to remember that there's something good for you here. That verse reminds us that it is inspired. The word of God, the, the words in these pages, the words in that app are inspired by God. 
They were written by human hands, but they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. They are God-breathed, right? There is the breath of God on those words. These aren't just any words. They aren't just nice words. They aren't just hallmark words. They aren't just good words. These are inspired words from the living God. This is the secret sauce, right? This is, they are inspired by the word of God. It is useful to teaching. You can go back to that scripture. Go back to, yeah, there it is. It's inspired to do a few things. It's inspired to teach us, to help us, to instruct us about what is truth, right? He says it is useful to teach us what is true. We need to know what's true about God, what's true about ourselves, what's true about eternity, what's true about forgiveness. What is forgiveness really all about? Well, God's word is going to teach us what forgiveness really is. What is love? Well, we're going to see the truth about what love really is. The truth is what this is all about. It's teaching us what is true. Not so that we can argue and debate with somebody else on Facebook, but so that we could understand and shape our lives to that truth. Because then what does it say? It points out our blind spots and it corrects us. Right? Helps us realize what's wrong in our lives. Uh, we are imperfect, broken people. We're going to make mistakes. And this, uh, th these good eats are going to help us realize, like, hey, I got some blind spots here. I got some areas of opportunity to work on. I got some things that need to be addressed. And I'm able to see, like a mirror reflecting back my reflection. I can see my selfishness when I read Scripture. I could see my fear. I could see my doubt. I could see my lack of faith. As I read the narratives of people trying their best to follow God and their failures and their successes, it helps me see my blind spots. I don't always see my own blind spots, but when I look at somebody else's story, I can see their blind spots. And then all of a sudden, the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, God's breath would breathe into that moment and say, Sean, that's not just Elijah's problem, that's your problem too. That's not just Job's issue, that's Sean's issue. That's not just Joseph's hiccup and blind spot. That's yours as well. He's pointing out my blind spots and correcting me. He's doing that for all of us. This is good eats because it prepares us and equips us with the tools to do good. We want to go do good this week, right? We're going to go be a good person this week. Nobody woke up today and was like, I'm going to be a jerk. We want to do good this week. You want to look back at this week and be like, that was a good week. I had a good week. Well, how do you do that? There are tools in here that Paul is saying. These things prepare and equip us to do the good work God has called us to do. When Jesus is in the, I'll give you an example. When Jesus is in the desert facing temptation, wanting to do the right thing, which is to not give in to temptation, what does he lean on in that moment of tension, in that moment of temptation, in that moment of battle? He uses scripture. With every temptation, he quotes scripture. It's his main line of defense. It is a tool to help him do the good things that the Father wanted him to do. And so as we look at the scriptures, we see the examples of people living their lives and trying their best to follow God, it's going to prepare us to parent our children. It's going to prepare us to love our spouse or to love our neighbor or to care for somebody that feels unloving right now. It's going to help us forgive somebody that's wronged us because it's giving us the tools to do the good work that God has called us to do. That's why I would say when you open this book, man, this is good eats. And for many of us, 
We've looked at it and said, it's historical, or it's factual, or it's all this information, or it's a little bit boring, or it's this, or it's that. This is good eats that will nourish you this week. Psalm 1 describes it like this, describing it as a tree along a riverbank. And I just, as I read this, I want you to see a tree by the riverbank being nourished by everything it needs to be fruitful. This is you when you eat the word of God this week. You are this tree by the river. It says in Psalm 1, verse 2 through 3, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. They are like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit in each season. The psalmist is describing this idea of being saturated in the scriptures and being nourished by them. So it's not flippant for me to say, this is good eats. Because the psalmist says, this is good for your soul. This is nourishing to you on the inside and on the out. And it will produce something good inside of you. Because you're saturated in it. You're soaking in it. Like that tree is just soaked in the nutrients of that riverbank. That imagery of nourishment is something that Paul says to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. It says, one who is nourished by the message of faith and the good teaching you have followed. He's describing Timothy. You are one who is nourished by the message of faith and the good teaching. Paul gets it. He uses that phrase to say that the teachings of the disciples, the teachings of Jesus, the scriptures that we talk about and read about and meditate on and look at are meant to do what? Nourish you. So if you're feeling spiritually starving or spoon-fed or malnourished, or stale, the scriptures nourish from the inside out. And I love that Paul, even back then, 2,000 years ago, Paul recognized, hey, Timothy, it's easy to get distracted. Let's not dive into this stuff and these arguments about, like, where were dinosaurs back then, and where was this, and what about this, and how many gold stones are going to be in my heavenly castle? Like, that's godless arguing. Are tattoos okay in church? Let's not argue about that right now. Let's focus on what nourishes us. The gospel nourishes us. Let's not get caught up in what color should the carpet be at the church? Is it godly that we do this, that, and the other? And can I watch a rated R movie and still go to heaven? That's godless arguments that people want to get caught up in and debating and arguing. We're not talking about preparing for debate here, are we? Are we? I'm not saying read this so that you have an arsenal. It's not what we're talking about. We're talking about nourishing your soul, reshaping your rhythm with Scripture so that you can be nourished because this is good eats. And how different would your approach this week be if you opened the Scriptures and said, God, what you have is good, I'm ready to eat. How different would your time be? What you have is good. I think it changes my paradigm from a have to and an obligation and a, oh, this is homework or this is boring or, oh, this is whatever. And I open these pages, I open that app, I saturate myself in those scriptures so that I would be spiritually nourished. It's also gonna change the frequency because it's not just about eating good, it's about eating often. 
In Acts 2.42, it says the, believer, the believers devoted themselves to the teachings, right? They devoted themselves. Now, think about it for a moment. What are you devoted to? Don't say Jesus, because I know you're all saying, actually, all say Jesus. Ah, what are you devoted to? Jesus. Okay, now we got that out of the way. What else are you devoted to? Your family. What else? Your job. What else are you devoted to? Neighbors? Friends? Entertainment. How many of you know when your new episode drops every week? Sunday nights, it's dropping. Thursdays, it's dropping. I'm devoted to it. You're devoted to sports. You're devoted to health. You're devoted to exercise. What else are you devoted to? Food. <laughs> We're devoted to these things, right? Sports, exercise, shows, family, spouse, loved ones, kids. When you're devoted to something, you rearrange your schedule around it. When you're devoted to something, you make adjustments and you follow through and you commit yourself to it. When you're devoted to something, it's not just, here's this sliver of time that I give to it periodically. They are devoted to it and they are eating often. They are using this metaphor of eating often on the scriptures here. We saw it in Psalm 1 verse 2 when it says, they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. Why not feed our soul day and night? Eat often. Let's eat regularly. How many of you eat just one time in the morning and then you're good for the day? No, we snack, we eat, we have meals throughout the day. Why don't we do that with scripture? See, this was a revelation for me recently and it just changed my paradigm. Like, yeah, I eat all the time throughout the day and yet I've devoted a segment of time in the morning to being with Jesus. I'm starving myself. Something's got to change. I've got to eat more often. Psalm 1-2 says to meditate on it day and night. Joshua was told in 1-8, Joshua 1-8, study the book of instruction continually, meditate on it day and night so you'll be sure to obey everything written in it. Day and night. It's a regular rhythm. It's not just a time slot. It's a rhythm. It's a part of my life. I'm eating often. I'm eating often. And there's a couple of ways we can eat often, okay? One is we can do scripture on the go, right? How many of you are busy? How many of you feel busy, right? Scripture can go with you. Did you know that? Scripture can go with you. You can have scripture on the go. When you wake up, you can read scripture. When you're at work, you can read scripture. When you're tra traveling and driving and commuting to work, you can have audio Bible playing on your car, and you're just saturating in it. Right? On your lunch break, you can read a scripture. Boom. It's on the go. It's ready for you. If you don't have a Bible app, put it on your phone. How many ridiculous apps do you have on your phone that you sometimes never use? Put a Bible app on there. Boom. Take scripture with you on the go. It's free. Why wouldn't you do that? Right? But we're talking about reading these scriptures. It's not just reserved for a certain location at a certain time, morning or night. It's saying, I want to immerse myself in this regularly and continually and on the go. The stack of things that you see up here with me are almost always on my person, except for this journal. That's just for a prop for later. But 
These things right now in this current season of my life, I always have my phone, I almost always have my Bible, and I almost always have this devotional that we are handing out for free right now because I'm still working my way through it. It's on the go with me. It's on the go with me. Why is it on the go? Because wherever I go, I want to take it with me because I never know when I'm going to have a down point. When i got 20 minutes to kill getting an oil change, I can scroll through ESPN.com or I can read a book of Proverbs. I could take scripture on the go with me. I could take scripture on the go. I can go wherever I go. It's going to go with me, right? And I am a fan personally. I, I, I just told you to download the app for free and go for it. I don't, you know, if you use that, if you love technology, go for it. I actually personally love my paper Bible, and here's why. Can I just give you this little fun one? Uh, as a parent, this is why I read my Bible out of the paper. I want my kids to see me reading the Bible. When they see me reading on this, they don't know if it's ESPN. They don't know if it's NFL. They don't, I'm not on social media, so it's never going to be that. But they don't know what I'm what. I could be reading an email. I could be texting somebody. And a few years ago, I really felt a conviction. When I'm going to read my Bible, this is me. This is not thus saith the Lord. This is me. When I'm around my kids, I want them to see this. And I want him to see dad's in his Bible. And I'm not showing it off to them, but I want them to see that just as much as they see me eat. I want them to see me eat broccoli so that they'll eat broccoli. I want them to see me go exercise so that they'll go exercise. I want them to see me watch sports so that they'll love sports. I want them to see me love Jesus so that they'll love Jesus. It's my job to lead my family, and this is one way that I'm going to do that. And the way that they can clearly see that's Jesus' time is when I got this book open and not, at on, not on here. It's not to negate this. There are many times I use the app because I forgot to bring this or it's in my car or something like that. But Scripture can be on the go. A couple years ago, I did a 90-day reading plan, read the whole Bible in 90 days, had a couple of guys in the church do it with me. And there were 18 to 19 chapters a day you had to read. I mean, it was just like on the We were binging Scripture right? I mean, you talk about binging Netflix. It was just like Leviticus coming at you, right? Judges. We read like all of the New Testament letters in one sitting, right? It was like all of Galatians, Ephesians, and, and uh, Colossians, and Philippians. Like you sat there and read all of them. It was awesome, right? But there were times where I didn't, <laughs> I didn't have I didn't have my Bible with me, or I forget, or I didn't, you know, I told you I'd take it almost everywhere, almost everywhere. Sometimes I would forget, and I'd turn on the audio Bible, and I would just listen to Chronicles while I'm driving. That keeps you awake. But you're just binging 18 chapters of Chronicles while working, or why not? I listen to three hours a day of sports radio on my headphones. Why am I not binging the Word of God in my headphones? You see, the scripture goes on the go with you, but the scripture can also be slow. Here's the other part to this is consuming it often could not, can't just be on the go and fast and large chunks. It can also be very important for some of us to say, I need to slow down my rhythm. I need to go slow at this, to meditate on the scripture, to, to take my time to digest it and chew on it. The word meditate, as it says, meditate on it day and night. That word meditate uh, very crudely translates to chew on it. 
like a cow chewing on the cud, or like Pete Carroll chomping on that bubble gum. What's he doing? He's just chewing on it and chewing on it, gnawing on it, gnawing on it. Meditating on the scripture is not always binging it in large chunks. It is saying, wow, here's one verse, and I'm going to just chew on it, chew on it, chew on it, chew on it. I'm going to take my time. And so eating often may not mean I'm going to read the whole Bible in 90 days. For some, that might be a step of action. But for others, it might just be I'm going to read this one verse, and I'm not moving until God speaks. A tool that we've used in the past for this is the uh, Lectio Divina journals. If you've ever used something like this, they have a free app as well that you can download or, or they have these journals. And it's simply taking a moment of silence. And it's a reading plan devotional where it's like two verses. I've done reading plans where it's like, six chapters or four chapters or Old Testament, New Testament, all this. And then I got to this and I'm like, there's three sentences, that's it? But you know what it it taught me is slow down. Sometimes when I'm going too fast, I'm not listening enough. And to meditate on three verses and to chew on that changes my pace and allows me to really hear the voice of God. Pastor John Ortberg says, The goal is not to get through scriptures. The goal is to get the scriptures to go through us. The goal is not to get through the scriptures, but to let the scriptures go through us. That's being nourished. And that can happen by scripture on the go. That could be scripture going slow. But what we're talking about is changing about the quantity and focusing more on that quality. So for maybe some of you, it is about adopting a reading plan and, and reading lots and lots of chapters at once because you're going to end up reading parts of the Bible you've never read before. Or maybe for some, it is picking up a journal like this and I'm going to slow down and read one verse. The beauty of this devotional that we handed out and we still have copies of it is it's only a couple of verses, but it challenges you to slow down and to pray and to answer one question. Take your time and allow the scripture to move through you. That's what we're talking about, is immersing ourselves and saturating ourselves and creating rhythms with the scriptures so that we can eat good and eat often. Eat good and eat often. Now, in that booklet that Chloe talked about, there are what we call a a response or a now what. I'm going to throw up on the screen what uh, this week's now what action step is, and it's simple. Just simple steps. You don't have to do all of them, Okay. So take a deep breath. This isn't like nine steps of homework you need to have done by next week. But for everyone in the room, there might be something on that screen where you're like, yep, that's what I need to try. But shaking up our our Bible time, changing things up. Maybe it is finding a new reading plan. Reading plans can be really helpful, and you can download a bunch of those through those Bible apps, and they're free, and I love the reading plans because it challenges me not to just go where I want to. I, I will traditionally land right back in the Gospels and reading the Psalms and the Proverbs. Reading plans, I'm reading parts of the Bible that I need to read Amos. I need to read, you know, Judges. I need to read Timothy and Titus and all of those things. And reading plans get us to read parts of those. What about praying beforehand? Some of us just jump right in and sometimes it's like, hey, let's just pause for a second. Let's 
say, God, these are good eats. Would you nourish me? Finding a quiet space. Journaling your thoughts. It's not just about reading and having an input, but journaling can actually be a way that you can not just remember what you read, but to process what you read. And the beauty of journaling is for those of us that are verbal processors, you can journal on that page as honest as you want. And you aren't going to hurt anyone's feelings because it's on the page, right? And April says, hallelujah to the verbal processor up here on stage that wants to just talk about what he read. Journaling allows me to put all of my feelings and thoughts on the page. Get it all out. Helps me retain, but it helps me to process through that meditation, that gnawing, that chewing. Reading at various times in the day, finding a devotional you'll follow. Memorizing scripture is another way you might eat good and eat often. But I would say, church, it's time to eat. It's time to eat. And let's eat. Let's, let's take a bite this week. Can we take a bite? I'm not saying you, you gorge yourself. Don't feel pressure. You're not competing. We're talking about small changes. We're not talking about, I want you to read the whole Bible this week. If you're not reading the Bible this week, it's six times a day, you're a failure. No, what I'm saying is implement one small change this week. Can you do that? Small changes can compound. You know how I know this? I control the volume remote at home. And April doesn't like it loud. But who likes it loud? This guy. So when she's not looking, click, 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 65 to 66, 67, 68, she's looking. <laughs> she goes to get a refill, 68, 69, 70, 71. She comes back in. She leaves for something. She looks at her phone, click, 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 72, 73, 74, 75. I like it loud, man. I want to blast those shows. I want my kids upstairs trying to fall asleep hearing the violence that I'm watching. But that small change, and then pretty soon she's sitting there and she's like, it's really loud in here. Why is it so loud? Can we turn it down? Click, 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 a couple changes down, right? And I'll go all the way back to 60 and then slowly build back up to the 80s. Small changes can compound, though. Some of you are like, what is reading one verse a day going to do? What is introducing one small change going to Those small changes will compound over the course of your week. Those small changes will nourish you throughout the week. Don't underestimate what that small change could do. But begin to do it and implement. It's time to eat. Let's take a bite. And just as I said about the volume, what does it do? It turns up the volume, right? Never know what a small change could do to turn up the volume of the voice of God in your life this week. How many of you need to hear God clearly this week? Turn up the volume one click at a time. Let's pray. We hope you were encouraged by today's message. If you want to take your next step in following Jesus, fill out the digital connect card at thehubcitychurch.com slash connect. We'd love to celebrate what Jesus is doing in your life.